she shouted. We have been waiting for you. Get up here to the front of the class right now. Margaret walked slowly to the teacher's desk, was told to face the class, and then the nightmare began. Miss Garner ranted, boys and girls, Margaret has been a bad girl. I have tried to help her to be responsible, but apparently she doesn't want to learn. So we must teach her a lesson. We must force her to face what a selfish person she has become. I want each of you to come to the front of the room, take a piece of chalk, and write something bad about Margaret on the blackboard. Maybe this experience will motivate her to become a better person. Margaret stood frozen next to Miss Garner. One by one, the students began a silent procession to the blackboard. One by one, the students wrote their life-smothering words, slowly extinguishing the light in Margaret's soul. Margaret is stupid. Margaret is selfish. Margaret is fat. Margaret is a dummy. On and on they went until 25 terrible scribblings of Margaret's badness screamed from the blackboard. The venomous sentences taunted Margaret in what felt like the longest day of her life. After walking home with each caustic word indelibly written on her soul, she crawled into her bed claiming sickness and tried to cry the pain away. But the pain never left, and 40 years later, she slumped in the waiting room of a psychologist's office, still cringing in the shadow of those 25 sentences. To her horror, Margaret, Margaret had slowly become what the students had written. Margaret's teacher knew exactly what she was doing. She knew the power of name-calling. Margaret was humiliated by a thoughtless and cruel act, robbed of the sparkle in her eye, cursed to live the rest of her life in the shadow of that nightmarish experience. Hello, everyone. We are in this series that we're calling Flipped, and we've been looking at um, stories in the New Testament where um, someone had an encounter with Christ, and as a result of that, their lives were flipped. And last week, um, Jordan talked about the, the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, and she just touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and she was healed. Her life was flipped. And a lot of times, you know, we think Jesus is out there to get us. Like he's just out there waiting for us to mess up so he can strike us down. And one of the things I want to do tonight is kind of take that notion and get rid of it. That Jesus is this angry man. That if we don't follow certain rules that he will punish us and strike us down like Miss Gardner did in that classroom. And that's not what this series is about, and that's not what Jesus is really about. So, I want to make it very clear that Jesus does hate sin. And if you read the Old Testament, if you look at the Israelites time and time again, they messed up, they disobeyed, and he punished them. But tonight, that's not what that is is about. Tonight, we're going to talk about grace, God's grace. Grace is defined this way. Is there feedback coming from this? Okay, I hear it. I don't know if you... Can y'all hear it? Okay, sorry. It's a little distracting. 
I just feel like an echo or something. Okay. Um, so this is, this is grace. Grace is unmerited favor. That's the definition of grace. You're getting something that's good that you don't deserve. You're getting something good that you don't deserve. Like when you, let's say, for example, maybe, this is probably not a good example. If you don't study for a test, but you get an A. Okay, we won't call that grace. That's luck. Um, and some of you are just smart. And, uh-oh. Some of you are just smart, and um, you're the people that we don't like. Um, but it's, it's getting something good that we don't deserve. Now, this is the difference between grace. There's a difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is forgiveness shown towards someone. And that is you not getting something bad that you do deserve. So let's talk about this for a second. Um, for example, you stay out past curfew and you walk in late and your parents decide to let you off the hook. That's mercy. Grace is you stay out past curfew and they let you off the hook, but they reward you with ice cream. That's grace. Okay. Grace and mercy play off each other throughout scripture. Let's get some examples here. Abraham. Mercy withholds the knife when he was going to uh, sacrifice Isaac. Grace provides the lamb in the thicket. The prodigal son. Mercy runs to forgive the prodigal son. Grace throws a party with the robe and the ring and the fattened calf. Mercy keeps us out of hell. Grace takes us to heaven. Mercy is God withholding you from what you deserve. And grace is giving you what you don't deserve. That's the difference between grace and mercy. And did Jesus show us grace? Yes. Time and time again, we see in Scripture, for a couple of examples, the woman caught in adultery, right? They're about to stone her to death, kill her for what she did. But God, Jesus comes up to her and says, no, 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 no. The first person who has never sinned, I want you to throw the first stone, but the rest of you just wait. And Jesus showed her grace. The thief on the cross. When Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's grace. Matthew, the tax collector, he showed grace. And Zacchaeus, who we're going to look at tonight, he showed grace. The story of Zacchaeus is a story of grace. And when you're little, you may have sung the same song that I sung about Zacchaeus. You know the song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in that tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today. Okay, who has never heard that song? Wow. Wow. So Zacchaeus. But there's one point of this, this song that's missing, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. What else happened? The story of Zacchaeus is a story about discipleship. It's a story about gratitude. It's a story about a changed life. It's a story about God redirecting the life of a sinner. It's a story about grace. It's a powerful example of what happens when we have an encounter with Christ. So let's look at this story. This is um, Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Luke chapter 19, we're going to start reading verse 1. 
This is what it says. It says, he entered, this is talking about Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And that's just a small little note there that he was not intending to stay in Jericho. He was just passing through Jericho. Verse 2, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Why was he rich? Because he was a tax collector. And if you grew up in church, you probably heard or have heard about, about tax collectors. Tax collectors were evil people. They were sinners. They were the worst kind of sinners you could think of because they would tax people like, just like your parents get taxed or you get taxed or if I get taxed, they would tax the people, but then they would add a, a extra amount on top of that and he would pocket that amount. And the people could not deny it. They had to pay it. So the people in this town in Jericho, they hated Zacchaeus because he stole from them. So when it says that he's rich, that's not a compliment. That is saying he's the worst kind of crook there is. Verse 3. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he didn't have a lot going for him in the height department. Amen, Lobatos? Grace, show me grace. I love you, man. Both of you, wherever your brother is. By the way, so we have these banners. If you saw those banners, Jordan cannot take them up or down because she's, she's a wee little woman. Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now, it's interesting to me that Zacchaeus showed up to see Jesus. There's a, there, there was a curiosity in him that this couldn't escape. So he goes and he's like, what is this Jesus guy really about? Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe he heard some of the stories about Jesus. But he goes and checks out this Jesus guy. So he went to town. He wasn't necessarily with the crowd. Remember, the crowd doesn't like him. Doesn't, they, they couldn't stand Zacchaeus. So he wasn't with the crowd. He didn't engage. But he showed up. And he's up in a tree. And he's spectating. He's watching. And this is just a side note. I think a lot of us in this room can relate to Zacchaeus. Not because you're short. Not because you're a tree climber. Not because you're a tax collector. Not because you're unliked. But because you go to church, you come, but you don't really engage. You come, but you don't, you show up, but you're not sure you're ready to, you're ready to jump in. Maybe you, you're, you're okay with being near the action, but you don't want to take part of the action. You don't mind watching from the stands, but you don't want to get in the game. You want to watch like Zacchaeus did. You can be a watcher, but you're not ready to be a follower. And for now, you're just close enough. And that's why we're doing this whole thing, that the student leadership team that you've been hearing about. Because we don't want you to just come and participate. We want you to get in the game. Get out of the stands and get into the game. We want you in the game. 
And some of you, you come to surge and you love the games beforehand. You, you play NASCAR, you play basketball, you, you love that time. And then you come in here and you kind of half participate in worship and you're just kind of, your arms crossed, you don't really want to participate. And then during the message, a lot of you guys or some of you guys kind of make the excuse, yeah, go use the restroom, but you really don't because I did the same thing when I was your age because I know what you're doing. So you get up and you go to use the restroom during the message because you're bored or maybe you're just not engaged. And then we sing one more song and then you go out and you don't really participate in small groups and then you you're just ready for small groups to end so you can play another game in nice square before your parents pick you up before you have to leave. And you're here, but you're not in the game. You're up in a tree and you're spectating. So Zacchaeus, he's up in his tree watching. And verse 5 says this. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Now, wait a minute. What is happening here? Jesus walks past the worst guy in town and invites himself over to play Fortnite. Like, what is, what is happening? This is so shocking. And most people would have expected Jesus to either ignore Zacchaeus or to kind of point his finger and says, you need to stop being mean to these people. Stop being a jerk. But instead, Jesus, with a huge crowd of people watching and listening to him, He singles Zacchaeus out, not to yell at him, but to hang out with him. Now, we can make an assumption here. This is not what Scripture says. But an assumption is they had a party. We know that when he went to Matthew and different tax collector's house, they partied. Because it says there's there's this great banquet. But with Zacchaeus, we don't really know. So that's just an assumption. But... Jesus got invited to Zacchaeus, the worst sinner in town. And Jesus invites himself to his house, and his intentions change. Remember what verse 1 said? He was passing through Jericho, but now he's staying for a little, bit, for a little while. His intentions change. And to be a guest of someone was considered the highest level of intimate friendship during that time. And also to receive hospitality from a sinner was the same or considered the same as participating in that sin. Which explains what happens next. Verse 7 says, And they went, and when they, when they saw it, the crowd, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He had gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. In other words, why would Jesus, a man who claims to be God, spend time with someone who was so messed up, so screwed up, with someone with such a past, someone with such a present? Isn't Jesus for the good people? Isn't Jesus for the church people? But Zacchaeus experienced something different. This is in your notes. Jesus loves you in spite of your past. And that is good news for us. Jesus loves you in spite of your past. See, Jesus knew what Zacchaeus had been doing, how he had been living his life, and Jesus wasn't okay with it. But Jesus knew that the order that he, that Zacchaeus thought, the order that we think isn't necessarily true, that you have to get your life straightened out first and then come to Jesus. That's not the truth. It's, it's the opposite. Jesus wants you to come to him. It's flipped. Jesus represented a message that God loves you for free. And God wants to have a close relationship with you no matter what you've done, no matter what you're currently doing, no matter what your past is. You don't have to get your act cleaned up first. He wants you just to come and trust him. 
Jesus loves you in spite of your past. I know some of you have a past. You have a past. And your thought right now is, no, no, no. If you knew my past, him, Jesus would not love me. And that is not true. That's so far from the truth. Jesus loves you in spite of your past. You don't have to get your act cleaned up. You don't have to stop doing everything that you're doing. You don't have to do everything right in order to approach God. You need to simply come. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Now, during this time, rabbis requested or kind of asked people to give 20% to the poor. But here's Zacchaeus, this tax collector, is going to give half, 50% to the poor. And it says, If I have defrauded any one of anything, which of course he has, he says, I will restore it fourfold. Also, during this time, if anyone had ill money earned, the requirement was you to pay it back plus 20%. And he's paying it back fourfold, which is crazy. Verse 9, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So the story of Zacchaeus, it's a story of grace. Zacchaeus getting something that he doesn't deserve. And for some of you, for some of you, listen, for some of you in this room, you're sitting exactly where Zacchaeus was, not because of your past, because of what you have done. <clears throat> you're afraid of getting too close to God. Because of your past, because of the things that you've done in your past, you're afraid of getting too close to God. You just want to kind of sit back and keep a safe distance. You come to church come for the fun stuff, but you don't engage. You come to small groups, but you don't contribute to the small group. You go every single week, but you just don't engage. You listen, you watch, but you, you, you're just not sure about this whole thing. But what would happen if you discovered what Zacchaeus did? Jesus is willing to redeem you from your past and redeem you from your sin. And you don't have to get your act cleaned up first in order to do so. You can run to him right now. Right now. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I love this quote. This is what Mike Iaconelli says. It's going to be on the screen. He says this in response to this passage. He says, God's love is sticky. Paul uses a lot of religious words here, but the bottom line is we're all stuck with God's love, whether we want to be or not. The words, nor anything else in all creation, means that nothing can stop God from loving us. Nothing. He just keeps loving us. In modern language, you could say that neither failure, nor poor church attendance, nor inadequate Bible reading and prayer, nor betrayal, denial, doubt, insecurity, guilt, weakness, or bad theology, or even losing our temper can separate us from the love of God. He loves us when we don't want him to love us. He loves us when we don't act like Christians. He loves us when our lives are a mess. His love is sticky, resistant to rejection, aggressive, and persistent. That's it. <laughs> nothing, nothing, get this, nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
He loves you in spite of your past. That is grace right there. No matter what you've done, his love covers that sin. Someone needs to hear that tonight. No matter what your past is, his love covers that sin. Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that his grace may abound more? It's like, all right, there's a saying, okay, so, so if God's grace is free and that's what we get, should we just keep sinning so that his grace can abound even more in our lives? He's going to forgive us anyway, right? And scripture says, by no means, or my translation is, heck no, don't do it. When you understand the grace of God, you will strive not to sin. Tonight, if you find yourself struggling with your life and what you've done, remember the love of God is an amazing thing and the grace of God covers you. Remember Margaret? After decades of depression and anxiety, she had finally sought help and was having the last meeting with her psychologist. Two long years of weekly counseling helped Margaret to finally free herself from her past. It had been a long and difficult road, but she smiled at her counselor. How long had it been since she'd smiled? As they talked about her readiness to move on. Well, Margaret, the counselor said softly, I guess it's graduation day for you. How are you feeling? After a long silence, Margaret spoke. I, I'm okay. The counselor hesitated. Margaret, I know this will be difficult, but just to make sure you're ready to move on, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to go back to your schoolroom and detail the events of that day. Take your time. Describe each of the children as they approach the blackboard. Remember what they wrote and how you felt. All 25 students. In a way, this would be easy for Margaret. For 40 years, she had remembered every detail. And yet, to go through the nightmare one more time would take every bit of strength she had. After a long silence, she began the painful description. One by one, she described each of the students vividly, as though she had just seen them, stopping periodically to regain her composure, forcing herself to face each of those students one more time. Finally, she was done, and the tears would not stop, could not stop. Margaret cried a long time before she realized someone was whispering her name. Margaret, Margaret, Margaret. She looked up to see her counselor staring into her eyes, saying her name over and over again. Margaret stopped crying for a moment. Margaret, you, you left out one person. I certainly did not. 
I have lived with this story for 40 years. I know every student by heart. No, Margaret, you did forget someone. See, he's sitting in the back of the classroom. He's standing up, walking toward your teacher, Miss Garner. She's handing him a piece of chalk, and he's taking it. Margaret, he's taking it. Now he's walking over to the blackboard and picking up an eraser. He is erasing every one of the sentences the students wrote. They are gone. Margaret, they are gone. Now he's turning and looking at you, Margaret. Do you recognize him yet? Yes, his name is Jesus. Look, he's writing new sentences on the board. Margaret is loved. Margaret is beautiful. Margaret is gentle and kind. Margaret is strong. Margaret has great courage. And Margaret began to weep. But very quickly, the weeping turned into a smile. And then into laughter. And then into tears of joy. That is grace. That is grace. And that's what, I know it's just a story, but that's what Jesus has done for us. He's taken your past and he's wiping it clean and he's writing new things on the board for you. We will end with this. Grace is a comma, not a period. Grace is a comma, not a period. What do I mean by this? There's a scripture that you probably, most of you have heard that goes, For the wages of sin is death. Our story could have and should have ended with a period after this sentence. After those seven words, For the wages of sin is death, period, we've earned it. Since we were born, we have been born with this sin nature. We have been born with this sin nature, and we all deserve death. But grace, but grace, Jesus puts the comma there. Because the sentence is not over. And your lives are not over as a result. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is grace. We deserve death. But God gave us a gift. And that gift is eternal life. And how do you get that gift? By asking Jesus to come into your life. By asking Jesus to come and to forgive you of your sins. To wipe away your past. And Jesus says, his word says, if you do that, he is faithful and he is just. And he will forgive you of your sins. So my question tonight is who needs to accept God's grace? Who has never taken that next step into God's grace? The invitation is for you. The invitation is for you to take that next step in faith. Maybe you've taken that next step of faith, but you've never taken that next step into baptism. Maybe that's your next step. And we have baptisms this weekend, which is good timing. Let's pray. And as we pray, ask yourself this question. 
or answer this question, have you ever taken that step of faith and that's Jesus that come into your life? Have you ever taken that next step of faith and that's Jesus to be a part of your life? If you've never taken that step and you're feeling the, the tug to do that, I ask to be faithful and to do it tonight. How? How do I do that? Simply pray and ask God, Jesus, come and take away my sins. Take away my past. Forgive me. I accept your grace. Just like Zacchaeus, I'm asking that salvation would come on my life life today. Pray that. Don't ignore it. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, don't ignore that. Because the longer you ignore it, the longer, the harder your heart will become. And just pray and talk to Him. And He says, "If you if you do this, He is faithful and He is just, and He will forgive you of your past." Jesus come to you now and we just ask that if anyone here does not know you that they will come to know you that they will accept your grace Holy Spirit thank you for your presence in this place I know we don't do this keep your eyes closed just for a second if you pray tonight and you accepted Christ, you accepted this grace for the first time, will you just raise your hand? Awesome. Okay, can I ask you to do something bold? Everybody look at me. I saw several hands. Can I ask you to do something bold and stand so that we can celebrate with you, so that we can pray for you? Like now, can you, if, you, if you raise your hand... There's one. There's a, there's a few others. There's one. There's one. Go ahead and stay standing for a second because we're going to pray for you. Sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't want to embarrass you. But we want to celebrate with you because this is, this is a family. So if you're around one of these people, just kind of, I want you to surround these people. Let's pray over these people real quick. Just go ahead and stand up and go towards these people, and then we're going to sing one more song. There's one over here. I think there's one in the back, or maybe two in the back. Jesus, I pray for the decisions that were made tonight. And God, we celebrate. We celebrate. Just like the prodigal son, when he came home, they celebrated. And God, we celebrate tonight. New life. And God, I pray that if there's more that did not stand or did not make this decision, that you would just grab their hearts and during small group time that they would just talk to their small group leader. God, we celebrate what you have done in this place tonight. And we pray this all in your, G- in your name. And we all said, amen.